What's up, everybody? Welcome into the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast, home of two youth pastors that have absolutely no idea what they are doing. Derek, how are we? I am better than a dead dog. (laughs) (laughs) So... True, what? true story. True story. That is really hard to argue with. I, I, I went out golfing with somebody like two years ago, and we sit in the golf court. And I was like, "So how you doing?" And he goes, "Better than a dead dog." And I'm like, "I'm like, what?" All right. So now I just love pulling that out out of nowhere and seeing your face. Uh, yeah, no, that was good. Um, well, I think we can get right into golf since you brought it up. Uh, I, uh, I went golfing, uh, probably three weeks ago now. Uh, my brother was in town. So me my brother and my dad went golfing. And, and for those of you out there that golf, which this is a youth ministry podcast, every youth pastor just in the summer, they go out and golf all the time. They're not in the office. No, there's no uh, need. Oh, I have to meet with a student. Let's go golfing yeah. and we'll meet on the golf course. Uh, next to sales. If, if youth pastors had the money to go golfing a bunch, they would. I think is, is how that works. But, uh, so the three of us went golfing and if you golf a lot, you know that if you're a threesome golfing, a lot of times you'll get paired with an individual. If the golf course can do that, they'll make a little more money. So we get paired with this, uh, 60 year old African American guy. Seemed nice. Like, cool, fine, whatever. Smoked a joint the entire no, round. He did. <laughs> no, yeah. he didn't. It was it was awesome. Uh, lit it up after the first hole, uh, which I felt really good about because I parred the first hole and I was like, "All right, this is gonna be a good day." It was not. Uh, was this after it became legal in our state or not? Uh no. Ah, uh, I don't remember. August first, I believe it was when it became legal uh-huh. in Minnesota. I think this was after. So this dude's smoking doobies on a on golf, golf course. course. I asked my brother if I should, like, I was like, hey, should I ask if I can take a smoke off that? Like, do you think it would help my golf game at all? Uh, I don't I don't know if it would have, but it probably wouldn't have hurt because I was golfing pretty bad that day. Uh, sounds like a normal he, round for me. Of course, his golf game got a little bit worse as the round went on. So do with that information what you will. Uh, I would not recommend smoking a joint while golfing, nor would I recommend smoking a joint ever. End of sentence. Yeah. <laughs> so well done. That's yeah. But enough mean, about golf. You did ask your brother if you should take a hit on that. So maybe you're not. Maybe you are intrigued about doing it. So I need to be concerned about you. Do you do, do I need to just check in with you more? Or? I I just really want to be better at golf than I am. Oh, okay. So by that's, any means that's necessary. Really, that's really what it's about. Um, but enough. I don't I don't think it would have helped. Fair enough. Because it clearly didn't help him. Clearly. So, but anyways, on to our regular scheduled programming. Derek, quick question of the day. What is one of the strangest hobbies or pastimes that you have from your childhood? Are you ready for this? Yes. BMX racing. That would do it. Have I mentioned that on the podcast before? I can't remember. I don't know. Have you? Yeah, I don't know. I did it for a long time. My dad started me when I was five years old, uh, which is crazy because the fact that my five-year-old was learning how to ride a bike with training wheels, the fact that um, my dad put me on a a track with obstacles and other ferocious five-year-olds is kind of insane. Uh, But I started when I was five, quit when I was six because I was too scared, (laughs) (laughs) and then picked it back up from seven to 19. 
and it was super, super into it. Like every single summer I was racing two nights a week, practice one night a week. I got really into it at one point and did state series and did a few nationals and so on and so forth. And yeah, I mean, I just, I loved it. It's, I played basketball as well at the same time, which is obviously a team sport. And so this was like a whole new unique thing of that you're on your own. There is no yep. team to pick you up. You just, you show up, you do your stuff and you get to work. And, you know, I loved it. And yeah, I mean, it was, I can honestly say in 13 ish years of BMX racing, I never had a single major injury. I mean, I crashed plenty, win. but like no broken bones, no stitches. I've only had stitches once in my life. Uh, from a uh, Razor scooter. Yep. I think I've mentioned that on the podcast before. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know how I've done that, but no broken bones, no hmm. no anything like that. But it's kind Impressive. of Impressive. Yeah, which is precisely what I wanted to kind of bring up today because the thing with... Do I not get to answer the question? No, golf, I thought. Oh, no, that's not at all what I oh, was going for with you that. Said, speaking of golf, I, I, fi- I figured oh, that, that, that was your answer. No, like, sorry. I, I just thought you had mastered your transitions in season three. You know, That would like, have been good, yeah. but that's expecting way too much okay. of me. Well, I did start uh, the episode off with a dead dog comment. <laughs> yeah, <so>. seriously. <laughs> no, I actually, I wanted to ask a clarifying question. Like, does this have to be a, a hobby we still do? No. Okay, cool. So this is going to make me just sound terrible. You think uh, I still BMX race? I that'd be fun. I'd come watch. More mostly hoping you crash, crash but that's yeah. fine. <laughs> Why do people watch NASCAR? It's not yeah, to watch cars right. go in circles. Exactly. It's for the accidents. Uh-huh. Um no, I uh so this is I'm I'm just going to sound like the most boring child ever here. But I like I'm a very analytical person. I love math. I love stuff like that. And so what I did for fun growing up, part of one thing I did for fun, was I would create tournament brackets out of things and see how complicated I can make it while having it still make sense. Okay. <laughs> one of the things I would do is I would create a tournament of Major League Baseball teams over the summer. And, you know, so I'd have like, you know, you've got like the Minnesota Twins versus the Texas Rangers in my bracket. Well, they don't play each other in real life that day. They do tonight. But do they really? Yeah. <laughs> I thought they were playing the Indians. Guardians, first Guardians. of all. Guardians. Oh Come my gosh. On. My bad. No, they. We're going to get canceled. They, they ended that How series yesterday. I know. Me. Texas Rangers tonight, which uh, is kind of a crazy go. pull. Oh, I did not know that. That was a one in 29 shot. Uh-huh. Uh, so if if they didn't play each other in real life, then I'd say, okay, I'd look at the box scores the next day. The Twins won their game by six. The Rangers only won their game by three. So then the Twins, you know, win my little matchup. Sure. Uh, what if they both lose? Whoever lost by least okay. would would advance. Nice. But I'd have like a, you know, you have like a double elimination tournament. Mm-hmm. Like I'd have like a seven loss elimination tournament. And so like I'm coming up with all these weird bracket permutations and, and different things in order to make it fair for all the teams. And your parents are in the living room downstairs. Like, honey, I'm worried about Kyle. He's got all these plans in his room and documents all over the place. He might be plotting something major. And it's got <laughs> the, twins, much, the twins yeah. in the sixth round consolation bracket trying to fight their way back to the top. Yeah, that's so I, I did that all the time when I was growing up and uh, I am all the lamer for it. Hey, it, it makes it really nice when you're doing fantasy stuff now and you can 
put oh, yeah. together a draft order that's four steps long. 100%. But anyways, enough about really lame. I don't even know if that was worth interrupting the BMX train of thought. I would have stuck with golf, honestly. it was. Yeah, I would have stuck with golf, but you know. I well, you, you wanted strange, man. I, I didn't want strange. You ain't never heard that before. No, I think that's the theme of this episode. You ain't never heard that before? Yeah. Like, have you ever heard a greeting where someone starts the dead dog? No. Okay. Haven't. We're 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 making waves here. Yeah, that's true. Speaking of waves, okay. So here's what we're gonna talk about today. Uh, the reason I was talking about BMX, I was just thinking about that this week as we kind of prepared this episode because we're gonna talk about rhythms because uh, like groovy ones, maybe. All right. I think there needs to be a clip somewhere on our Instagram page of you having some rhythm. No, I think okay. we're good. Okay, I, I, after I said that, I don't know if I even want to witness that. I have to that. possess that in order to have okay. a video clip of it. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, okay, so when you are BMX racing, every single track has what they call a rhythm section. It's essentially just a series of moguls all in a line, and the quickest way through that is to pick your line and figure out how you want to get over them most effectively, whether that's jumping from two to three, whether that's doing a manual between three and four, you know, you kind of pick your line and and there you go. The thing that uh, you will find is if your rhythm is off though, in the rhythm section, you will find yourself over your handlebars, upside down, sideways, and laying on the ground staring at the sky. Which for our novice BMX enthusiasts, that is not the goal. No. Depending what your goal is, if your goal is to punish yourself, that is very much or coming last. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. But for my intense purposes, it definitely was not. But in contrast, if you have the proper rhythm, getting over one obstacle sets you up for the next obstacle. Like those who master the rhythm section know how to go through it the fastest, and the way to do it the fastest is how you get over one rhythm sets you up for two, three, four, so on and so forth. In a youth ministry context, you need to establish what your rhythm is as a leader, as a ministry, and as a group. Because if you don't have a rhythm, it's going to cause problems for you. So kind of the tagline that I have for this is a failure to recognize the temperature of your ministry is going to kill your momentum. Like if you don't know where your students are at and you can't assess what they need, where they're at emotionally, spiritually, and you just kind of plunge forward with whatever else you think you want to do, it's probably going to kill your momentum. Like if you're coming into a season where like the kids are drained, they're tired, you're not trying to pump something up and be all gas. Imagine Kyle coming back from a mission team on the way on the plane home and him trying to strategize and brainstorm with them about what they're going to do for their their kickoff in the fall. Like that's not happening yeah. because they're they're going to be like I just don't have time for this, I don't have energy for this, and it's going to kill your momentum. Which in turn, if you fail to understand your students, they're not going to buy in and you're going to be feel like a failure and you're going to be demoralized as a pastor. So you got to understand your rhythm. Yeah, I'm going to give a shout out here to a good friend of the show, Chris Finch. Great uh, friend of the show. Great friend of the show. He is the head coach for the Minnesota Timberwolves basketball team. Great um, team. Well, <laughs> they're they're not, but they're a team. <laughs> they're they're a team. Yep. Um, we do have a surprising number. So we are recording this while the uh, World Cup. FIBA basketball tournament is going on. Hmm. 
And you didn't even know that was going no. on. Uh, a surprising number I of Timberwolf hockey. players are playing like for their national teams right now. Uh, you know, Ant is lighting it up for Team USA. Naturally. Uh, you got Cat playing down with the Dominican Republic team. Uh, Rudy Gobert played for the France? French team, which in true Rudy Gobert fashion, they were one of the favorites and wildly disappointed. Perfect. And they are already out of it. Awesome. Um, Kyle Anderson plays for China. Um, there's one or two others that, uh, that are, Go Wolves, are man. playing as that's well. Awesome. I was like, man, that's, that's pretty impressive. So anyways, uh, where Chris Finch, uh, coach of the Timberwolves, who probably good friend of the show, probably has never heard, definitely has never heard of us in his life. But uh, I was listening to an interview with one of his assistant coaches, and he he was asked, "How would you describe Chris Finch's coaching style?" And the assistant coach went into basically described two different philosophies of coaching. One philosophy is where you have a coach, and and I would liken this to. Uh, I don't, I don't even know if I can come up with an example, but like, this is the system that I have as a coach and I want to find players that, that can come in and fill the roles that I have. And if you can't fill the role that I have, then I need to get rid of you. The other kind of coach is let me take a look at the team that I have and let's construct, you know, an offense or a system or whatever, construct everything that we do to fit the strengths and weaknesses of our team. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that that second example, he, he was highlighting the, the second one is, was, you know, he was like, that's the kind of coach that Chris like John Harbaugh did the same thing for the Ravens. Yeah. Lamar. Yeah. Yep. Like you, you know, bring Lamar Jackson in, he's got a different style. Let's completely change everything we do to fit that style. That's a great example. Uh, I, I, I kind of think of like Bill Belichick maybe as, as the other, as the other one yeah, like, like, I've, or Nick Saban. Like I've got a system and, and all we do is win. And if you don't fit that system, then you're out of here. Yep. Uh, the adaptability of, of the second one as, as coaches, like I think that that is a beautiful image of what we as youth pastors need to do. Like we've always got to be looking at, you know, what do I have in front of me? Mm-hmm. What are the resources that I have? What are, who are the students that I have? Uh, and, and how can I, you know, how, how can I move forward into a, it, setting the right people into the right rhythm yep. so that we can move forward instead of forcing pieces into places that don't belong. Yeah. Cause I think the, the travesty that a lot of us find ourselves in is when we were in youth group, if you went to church and you were a youth student that worked for them. So let's just bring that forward, yeah. you know? And like, sometimes that just doesn't work. Like the game has mm-hmm. changed in five, 10, 15, 20 years and, you know, so I love what you we said there, Kyle, adaptability, because who's who's more prone to adapt? Is it going to be students who have their own passions and interests in their stage of life or you as the youth pastor who's trying to lead them? Well, that's a relatively easy revelation as to which one that should be. So here's what I want to do. Like, I want to be very specific here and just kind of really break down what I mean by rhythm, because it's kind of a very vague and ambiguous idea. But, um, you know, when I, when I sat back, something that kind of really revolutionized how I led our youth ministry was this very idea of we need to find a rhythm that we can kind of fit our mold into. This is kind of an extension of what we talked about last episode where, you know, finding systems that work for you, how, how do you get it so that you can plan accordingly for yourself and for youth ministry to thrive? This is kind of an extension of that, like 
the planning you have for that should fit into what I think are some important rhythms here. So um, I'm going to break this down. Kyle, please feel free to interject if you disagree. And uh, Oh, I will definitely do I, that. I, yes, I know that. So I'm just giving you permission so I don't get my feelings hurt. Uh, <laughs> but I, there, there's kind of four seasons, four sections of four different rhythms, if you will, that I think happen in the course of a given calendar year. So again, uh, think of January 1st to December 31st. I'm kind of going to break that down here a little bit, but uh, it's not going to be calendar-like and you'll see why. Um, so first season, first rhythm, I would say this is your building rhythm. This is where your students are naturally excited and they're going to be easily bought in. So for example, it's September. Kids are, at least in the Midwest, we've had all summer off. And what's unique to Minnesota, and I think for most of the Midwest is Church uh, in the Midwest in the summer really looks very different because people have cabins, they go on vacation. And so there's kind of this universal idea that's kind of like, I might not see some of my students for two or three months. Doesn't mean they're gone. Doesn't mean I won't see them, but it just means that like they're busy. They got camps, they got sports, they got vacations. I'm not going to see them. But in contrast, when they come back in September, they are roaring to go. It's like, it's good to be back. Let's go, baby. Let's jump in. And there's that natural excitement. There's that natural, like, I'm ready to, you know, grab a hold of this thing and go after it. And for us in Minnesota, I've noticed that kind of excitement really goes from September to November or so. Uh, kids are excited. They're amped up. They're they're ready. And so as a leader, what you should do is capitalize on that. Like try new things, reveal upcoming opportunities, uh, you know, take that excitement and run with it. And so ultimately vision, 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 vision. When you're in this building stage and this building rhythm and kids are naturally excited, start casting vision because if they're excited with nowhere to go, that excitement's going to leak over into unnecessary excitement. That excitement's going to be, let's, let's, Let's go rearrange all the chairs before Kyle gets in here. Let, let, let's make a bunch of chaos during worship. Let's start a conga line. Let's do all these different things. Like You don't want that. You want that excitement, but you want that excitement to be fueled towards, let's go. Let's raise a ton of money for Speed the Light. Let's, you know, let, let's start a small group in our, in our school, that kind of thing. Cast that vision for them so that they can begin to build on that. Yeah, I think uh, your leaders are another group that are are going to come into the school year with a ton of excitement and providing them some direction uh you know channeling ch- excuse me channeling that excitement in the right direction mm-hmm. <clears throat> i think that's going to be key too like hey you got a ton of energy that you want to uh pour into our youth ministry let me give you very specific instruction as far as like hey go you know go meet with this kid or take this kid out to eat or you know, go to this kid's sporting event. Like yep. if you got a leader that is like, Hey, I'm ready to go. Give them direction. If you got students that are like, Hey, I'm ready to go. Give them direction. I think that's what this first stage is for. 100%. And here's kind of a key takeaway with this, this section, this segment, uh, you, you as the leader have to channel that excitement and kind of let it out in, in, in appropriate ways. Uh, and so what I wrote down here was you got to execute it well and let it build into the next event. As much as the temptation is, let's do a kickoff party. Let's do, you know, a fifth quarter party. Let, let's start four different small groups. Like you're naturally going to feed off that excitement and you're going to be like, oh, let's go, let's go, let's go. 
but I'd rather us see pull off an event that is like really, really good and take that momentum and channel that towards the next event that's going to be coming up in two, three, four weeks. If you throw too much at them too fast, it's almost going to kill that excitement because yeah. it's kind of it's spread out too far. You have to take that excitement and channel it into this progression to push it forward. Uh, you know, something that I I think about even as I say this is, um, as I've mentioned in excess on this podcast, I'm super into dog training. And when you're early on in dog training and you're trying to get them excited about retrieving, you always want to stop throwing them a retrieve one or two times before they are disinterested. So what I mean by that is if you throw the tennis ball so much that all of a sudden the dog goes, yeah, I'm done. Like they're not going to be amped up. Whereas if you go out and throw the tennis ball or throw the bumper and you take it away from them, they're going to be like, oh man, it's over. So when you come out the next time, they're amped and ready to go. It's the same thing with your, when you're building events. If you're going to do a kickoff party in September, that's great. Make it hype. Make it crazy. Get good food. Uh, have awesome worship. Just make it awesome. But then maybe do an event in October or November and kind of channel that forward. You just don't want to throw out too much at them too fast. So build, build, build in, in this, this first season or this first rhythm. Secondly, uh, this would be, I call our establishing uh, rhythm. Uh, now you have the buy-in from the students. What are you going to do with it? You know? And so for me, uh, you got their attention. You, you, you have in September, October, you're going to have kids that are back in your youth ministry. They're grabbing friends. Those friends are grabbing friends. You have a lot of new students. They've been there for a few weeks and they are bought into what's happening in your youth ministry. Now, what do you do with it? You know, and I think this is now where Kyle, feel free to poke holes in this, but I have a theory. You have one of two paths when you have this buy-in. People either go, let's do more events to keep their attention or let's dig and disciple them. And depending on your context, neither one is bad, but to me, I've seen when you have that attention, the temptation is to want to continue to keep that attention. So you try and opt out for fun things. But I think it's critical that we also understand we have to have on-ramps for discipleship for our students. Yeah, the <clears throat> the events aren't bad, but you have to recognize that the events aren't the goal. Mm-hmm. You know, The goal is discipleship. Yep. Matthew 28, 20. The goal is discipleship. And so if, if that's the goal, then I have to figure out a way to channel this excitement, whether it's September and October or, you know, read the room, read your students. Hey, in order to get the right rhythm that I want with discipleship, we need to, you know, stretch out that build part a Mm -hmm. little bit longer. That's fine. Yeah. As long as you are eventually building toward, hey, this is where we want you to get plugged in. This is where the real meat of what we're doing comes in. I think between, you know, from the build side to the, to the established side, uh, you know, and, and you mentioned it a little bit with the takeaway, like building into the next event. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I love like, hey, we're going to we're going to do, you know, this this fall big fall event that we're going to do. Uh, encourage everybody to come, bring your friends. And at this event, we are going to do, like maybe we'll do a drawing and and give a prize and it's half off 
or or fully paid for for the next event that we yep. are doing. For sure. You know, pointing toward that next what whatever the next event is. Like we already have our eyes on this as 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 almost a bridge. Like when this one's over, we're gonna, you know, bridge it to the next one. Yeah. Cause the thing I've noticed with youth students is they are they are always looking for for what's next. You know, they're always looking for what's fun. And that's why I think the temptation is I just want to do what I want to keep this momentum. But uh, to me, it that's where I see. So you have these really big youth ministries that are a mile wide, but an inch deep. You know, you have to have this discipleship because here's here's the honesty. I, I've shared this with my team in excess. Good discipleship will breed evangelism. Like, mm-hmm. like if you take the time to really invest into your students and help them understand the heart of the gospel, the heart of discipleship, the heart of reaching the lost, that's how you that's how you grow, right? Because you can't fall more in love with Jesus and not fall more in love with his people. You just can't. I got one for you, Derek. Okay. In seven years here, are you the size of our youth ministry, like average attendance on a Wednesday night, okay, has a little more than doubled. Okay. In those seven years, uh, how many events have we done in the last seven years where the prize, like, hey, we have all these prizes? Uh, like, if you bring your friends, you get more drawings or mm-hmm. whatever. How many events like that have we done? <clears throat> Take a guess. Because, um, because I know of how you you're pitching this to me, I'm guessing it's low, like zero. Zero. Okay. Zero. Well done. And, and you know, there are some people that would look at, like when I started, we were averaging about 30, we're up to 75. Some people would look at that over seven years and say, well, I could, I could grow a youth ministry faster than that. And you are absolutely right. But my goal is not to grow the numbers of our Wednesday night. My goal is to grow the numbers of our Sunday night high school Bible study. Yeah. My goal is to grow the numbers of, you know, the number of students that are investing in a mission team. My goal is not just get more kids here on Wednesday nights. And so uh, it might be a slower process. You might not get to, you know, you might not get as many students into that actual on-ramp for discipleship as you wanted to. Yep. But set goals and hit those goals or don't hit those goals and then reevaluate and do it again. Yeah. Something that the Lord has convicted me a lot in the last year and a half of transitioning into my role is if you're trying to grow a ministry, you're doing it wrong. If you're trying to grow a ministry, I promise you there's part of you, part of you, I'm not saying all of you, but there's part of you that has that pride and they're like, I want to be successful. Now, before you crucify me here. No, no, no. I'm agreeing with you. I just came up with a really catchy phrase, but I'm going to use it to put a bow on it. So continue. What I've been telling my entire team, my lead team, my serve team is my desire is to grow the kingdom, not grow the church. You know, what that means is, yeah, we might not be that big flashy church that says we doubled our size. We tripled our giving. We did that. I hope so. That would be great because numbers matter. We've, we've discussed that a ton, but to your point, Kyle, good, solid, tangible growth takes time. Jesus spent three years with his disciples, three years of them being terrible leaders, terrible leaders, like, like making routine mistakes. But after three years, they are the pioneers of the church. They are the ones, they're the reason we are here is because of their boldness to continue to take the church forward. And so it just takes time and it gets messy, but you need to take that time to have on-ramps for discipleship.
Uh, Give me your tweet. Well, your I was, Twitter. I, I gotta say, one liner. Uh, the grow the kingdom, not the church. That's pretty good. Thanks. So I like that. I like that a lot. The same same concept, different phrasing. The thought that popped into my mind was, uh, your goal shouldn't be to grow your ministry, but grow the people in your ministry. So good. We're just geniuses. We're, we should probably start a podcast. I think so. A paid one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. So uh, we're gonna keep coming back to this, but again, this is this is gonna be different for your context. Like I was talking to a guy in my church who used to live in Florida. He was telling me that in Florida, the summer months of church are some of the busiest. Uh, you know, which is the complete opposite of What's how that it is. Like? I, yeah, seriously. So just again, how, you have, hold on, hold on, hold on. Florida guy. What's Florida guy's name? It's anonymous. Okay. Anonymous Florida guy. Here's, I'm not disagreeing with him cause he like lives there. So it's, or yeah. it's from the, like, that's hard to disagree with, but here's, you get half of the Northern population in the winter, right? Yeah. How in the world they don't is your go winter? Anywhere. They're going to be on the ocean the whole time. How in the world is your winter not the busy time? Yeah. I don't. I don't understand that. I don't either. How do you think churches in like, I don't know, Colorado or now Colorado's even got like ski season, like Oregon. You got like a church out in Oregon that like their their congregation numbers are just the same all the time. Yeah. Like how do you how do you do that? Like it's they're they're listening to this like what in the, what do you mean your summer numbers are way different? Yeah, like, well, yeah, it's true, Gary from Oregon. Be quiet. I also I appreciate you say Oregon, not Oregon. Oregon, Oregon, like Oregon. Yeah, yeah, like an Oregon but different. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a slight slight difference between Oregon and Oregon. It's. <laughs> <laughs> They're different. They are. But it's minuscule. I know. I can hardly even tell the difference. <laughs> okay. So for us, what build September to November, natural excitement. This establishing phase, November to January. This is now where some of the novelty has worn off. They've been in school for three months. So now it's time to really dig and get ready before yeah, the holiday season. Sucks. Amen. <laughs> Number three, we've built, we've established. Number three, it's time to sustain. So for us, winter up here, it sucks. It blows. Big time. Monday or Monday, January to March, there's just a Did natural- you substitute the word January for Monday? They're kind of the same, aren't they? <laughs> they both are terrible. Yeah, exactly. January's terrible. Yep. Mondays are terrible. Uh-huh. That, that's that's ex- hilarious. That's exactly how it feels. And so- Disagree with me if you want, Kyle. But to me, there's just kind of a. Why ne- is that the theme of the episode? Because I just I, I just assume I'm going to disagree with everything you say. I've had 81 episodes of proof of that. <laughs> <laughs> Rude <laughs> and accurate. But yeah. you know, it's one of those things. From January to March, there's this universal. People are just meh. Like they, they, I'm sick of the snow. I'm sick of freezing. I'm sick of whatever. They're just a natural tendency to just be like, eh. And so naturally students are going to be losing gas. And so now is the time when you have to almost initiate some fun, different things, whether that's, Hey, we're going to do a lock-in. We are going to do a winter retreat. We are going to, you know, do a guy's night and a girl's night, just something to give them something to do that naturally just puts some fire in their belly of, you know what? Yeah, 
winter stinks, but we're still going to have a heck ton of fun and just really infuse some excitement into them. And that might mean you just have to start doing life with them. Like it, instead of just, you know, sitting at home and, and, and sitting inside, go sledding, have them over for a movie night, take them out to lunch, uh, just start living life with them and continue to do life with them. And to me, I think the key subtitle of this, you know, little rhythm is just continue to be faithful with, with what God's Mm. given you because the seeds that you plant in those, what seems like a dry season are the very things that, you know, we see months later as you just continue to be faithful when they, when it seems like the kids are just not engaged, just because they don't seem engaged doesn't mean they're they're not. You know, mm. so you have to continue to be faithful and sow those seeds. Yeah, uh, a couple thoughts. First of all, we should do an episode on like specifically on lock-ins. Oh yeah, I've it never w- done one. It would be a really short episode. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> done. Uh, I. Someone please write in, like message us on, on Instagram, how not underscore YP message us on Instagram. You can email us, uh, how not to be a youth pastor at gmail.com. I need to be told by someone what is name one good thing that happens at a lock-in, a co-ed lock-in between the hours of 1am and 6am. Literally nothing. Best case scenario, your kids go to bed. Right. Worst case scenario, you get fired. Life is made. A life is made. <laughs> yep. Um, or taken. <laughs> Never know. Uh, what kind of lock-ins I, have you I been? I can't to? believe I'm in the situation where I'm rooting for life to be made. But if those are my options, uh, I, I think that uh, yeah, we don't need to get sidetracked on this. I just think like have an event that goes till midnight and then tell your kids to go have sleepovers at their own houses. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, <laughs> you, you do a spring formal, right? We do. When, yes. when, when is that? Uh, the, like the Mar- one week a year that we have spring in Minnesota. Yeah, exactly. No, it's, uh, typically it's, uh, right around Easter, like first or second week, of April. Yeah. Which is a little bit later than what I'm kind of having in, in mind here, but yeah. still it's so something we, that like you- one, we do have a, uh, event. So we have an event that we do every January or February called youth live where uh, it's it's usually a six or seven hour event. And the goal is to like our three values as a youth ministry are God, fellowship and mission. And so we roll all of those into one night. So we'll do, you know, six to eight is a worship service guest speaker, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, from eight to 10, we'll go find a service project. If you're, you know, familiar with the, you know, Minnesota specifically like the Minneapolis area, uh, there's an organization called Feed My Starving Children. Uh, they, they have other organiza- or other you know plots yeah. outside of Minnesota, but their headquarters are here. It's a food bank where you pack food and... Yeah, you, you pack food and then that food goes to countries all over the world that, that need food. Uh, and so we'll go serve a shift there from eight to 10. And then from 10 to midnight, we'll go t- you know to a uh, like a air, air insanity or, you know, like a trampoline park. Yep. And so you get like the God part, the mission part and the fellowship part all in one night. Yeah. Like a, an event like that is, is relatively easy and pretty inexpensive for yep. you to put on as a youth pastor. And, and it can break up. It, it's almost breaking up the rhythm. 
right to keep your rhythm correct and that and that you you break up the monotony is what you're doing yes and you're just kind of like giving them something that's different than the same thing they've been having and so again this is kind of that january to march april uh time frame here in minnesota and then now the final rhythm here uh which i think is the one that if i'm being very honest i think youth pastors are the worst at uh and it's the recharge rhythm and what i mean by this is uh, your recharge rhythm, this is not a time for you to build externally. Uh, Kyle and I have been doing this long enough to know that if you're looking to start a new framework, if you're starting to really expand your youth ministry and do something off the wall, brand new, if you try to do that in June or August, you're going to hate your life because the students, they are, they got camped. They're so busy. <laughs> I was gonna say, they're not going to be there. <laughs> right. Like, like literally, I bet there are students you can think of right now, Kyle, that, you know, you know, in two weeks, they're going to be there, but you probably haven't seen them a majority of the summer. Yeah. hundred percent. You know? And so you can't miss them. Like, mm-hmm. And so instead of beating your head against the wall, trying to get them to something, they're probably not going to come to, not because you're not engaging, not because you're not like a leader. They just have other stuff. Mm. They don't have to go to school. They're going to stay over at friends' houses. They're going to go on family vacations. All things that as a youth pastor, by the way, you should encourage them to do. Like I have seen way too many youth pastors get bummed because of their own pride and ego saying like, you should be here. When it's like, yeah, you should be at church. Like I'm not going to deny that. But at the same time, don't make them feel bad because they're passionate about their sport and they're busy in the summer. Go to their game, get behind them, support mm-hmm. them, go be a part of that. And while you're doing that, take some time to yourself to rest, to brainstorm, to pray, to think ahead, write some sermons, you know, for that you're going to have for the fall. So when the fall comes and it's busy, you don't have to do that. Something that I did very strategically this summer is I tried to really take time to pour into my staff and my core group of leaders because now is not the time to try and build your church or build your ministry. It's the time to pour into your team and disciple them. And so for us, this is those summer months and this is all about like, you need to recharge yourself and recharge your team because otherwise you come into the fall, which is your build stage and you're depleted and you're not gonna be able to build as much or as high. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, just recognizing all, I think all four of these stages, build, establish, sustain, recharge, all four of those stages are going to exist in your youth ministry. Yep. It might not quite line up with the timeline we've established here, uh, but they're, they're going to be there. Uh, you know, one of our, uh, one of our senior high girls, uh, you know, student leader, great kid. Uh, she is super, super into soccer. And so we've had like, like I had a conversation with her, like, yeah. And we did an episode, I believe on how church never wins, you know, the the schedule conflicts uh, in students' lives. You have one option is to shame them for not being there or cut them out of your life because they're not there. Yeah. Or you can leverage that and say, all right, you've, you know, how many girls are in your soccer team? There's your mission field. Yep. You know, you don't have to beat them over the head with a Bible, but be a Christ light. to mm-hmm. them, be a light to them, be a light on your team. Uh, you know, maybe there's a couple other girls on your team that are also Christians. Let's start a Bible study, you know, once a week after one of the practices, yeah. whatever it is. Uh, I think that we, we could always do a better job of, of leaning into some of the absences, 
uh, throughout the summer. Uh, even just a text to a kid over the summer when you haven't seen them can mean a lot to them yep. and keep them engaged so that by the time fall comes around and you want to build stuff again, uh, they'll actually be there uh, and and bought in and invested uh, in and potentially, may, you know, I see every once in a while, and and you'll see, every youth pastor has seen this. You get a kid that you know for three years in a row, it feels like they are starting in the fall at the exact same spot yeah, they've been one. at, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it clicks, and, and you start to see steps actually being taken to where the next fall they're ahead of where they were a year ago. Yep. You don't know always which you know which fall it's gonna which school year it's gonna be that things start to click with them, and so you know you might it might be yeah this kid feels like they're stuck at the same spot every time, but they've got home life going on, they've got school struggles going on, and when a lot of times when their rhythm clicks, uh, you know with some of their out external stuff outside of church. Uh, is a lot of times when you'll see stuff start to click internally and and their personal rhythm with their spiritual life will take off as well. 100%. And to me that this is this is a guideline, not law. You know, and so I want something I just want to kind of again reiterate is just because you're in a building rhythm or stage doesn't mean you're not discipling. It doesn't mean you're not like developing your leaders and having fun. Like just this is a general overarching theme. And the thing that I kind of wanted to bring this all back and put a little nice bow on it is going back to my BMX kind of analogy here. If your rhythm gets off, everything's off. Like that's the, that's the, the rhythm yeah. section is where races are won or lost because when the rhythm section is hit smoothly, you move up major spots. When you hit it wrong, if you miss one part of the rhythm, you're not set up for the next one. So now you have to reassess for that one and slow way down and you lose so much momentum on a bike. It's the same way here. Youth pastors, if you don't recharge in the summer, you are going into the fall depleted, vulnerable, and spiritually dry. And you're going to miss a critical season of where you are trying to build your vision for where God's taking you this, this, fall, this year. I agree with that. I, the one thing I want to make sure we clarify is when we say recharge, mm-hmm. that does not necessarily mean that you just take the whole summer off. Correct. Uh, I I saw, I, I wish I could give credit to somebody, but I don't remember where I saw it. Uh, so I'll just say this is not original to me. Uh, but, but somebody was saying like, when it comes to Sabbath, mm-hmm. Uh, if you work with your hands, you should Sabbath with your mind. If you work with your mind, you should Sabbath with your hands. We as youth pastors, like, yes, we can joke about like how much wood, we don't wood work crafting, actually like, you know, building yeah. Gaga ball pits or you know, yeah. different things. Like we gotta, oh, we gotta build a new set design for the Sunday services. Yep. Like, yes, there's some stuff, but most of what we do is working with our head. We're writing sermons, we're studying scripture. And so in that, you know, in our Sabbath time, like, Hey, like I'm going to go do some yard work. I'm mm-hmm. going to, you know, work around my house or whatever with my hands. Yeah. I think that when it comes to this recharge summertime, like Derek said, like that can be a great opportunity to think ahead, do some big picture stuff. Uh, hang you know, with your team, <laughs> hang out with your team, build relationships. Uh, you know, maybe the school year, 
you are more purposely, you know, connecting with students. And so over the summer, you're more purposely connecting with your leaders. Uh, have a little bit of a, maybe a change of pace. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not just, it's not just not working. It's not just not doing ministry, yep. but it's just changing it a little bit. Uh, it's, it's like farming. You have, you know, one year I'm going to plant this crop. The next year I'm going to plant a different crop there yep. because they pull different nutrients from the soil. Correct. I can still use the same plot of land two years in a row, but I'm going to pull different nutrients each year so that the soil doesn't get too stressed. Correct. Do you think I was going to pull a farming reference no. out of my butt? Cause no, that, that I'm was super proud of that, that one. That was impressive. And <laughs> I uh, I can honestly say that was not remotely where I thought you were going with that, but that was a good point. So, Thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm left a little speechless, I'm going to be honest with. Uh, and so here's kind of my last little thought here as we kind of go into the rhythms here is these are big picture month-long rhythms. To go consistently with this episode here, you need to have like a rhythm for your life as well. I know way too many like leaders who... Uh, they're kind of just like, I don't, whatever. I don't know what I'm going to do this week. I'm kind of just going into it, just kind of on a whim, not really having it. Like if you are not in a rhythm yourself of life and leadership, that's not going to be reflected in your leadership. And so I would encourage youth pastors to take an honest reflection, go, what is my rhythm? Because some people go way too hard, way too long without recharging. And they're just go, 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 go all the time. And that's going to catch up with you. And it's going to be disastrous. Other youth pastors don't have rhythm. They're just kind of sporadic and there's no actual thing to build on because it's just kind of like, it's fleeting. It's all on a whim. Uh, You know, some youth pastors don't build in margin for them to do mental workload. Like something I am trying to get to, I am not there yet, but I am trying to get to a place in my rhythm where I am scheduling a two hour meeting to sit and think and pray and spend time with the Lord so that I can just ask him where we're going. You know, like, if you don't build margin into your schedule, you're not going to have margin. And so you need to have a good rhythm in your life if you want to see a good rhythm in your youth ministry. That's good. Amen. Should we pray? I got nothing else. Do we ever pray? (laughs) (laughs) We should. Jesus bless this podcast. Amen. Wow. All right. Well done. That does it for today's episode. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. Uh, Be sure to... uh, like and subscribe uh no seriously though share this podcast because the more views and listens we get the bigger our egos uh, amen the budget doesn't change nope but but the egos go up so on that note thanks for hanging out with us i think it's about time i go spend all of my waking hours convincing derek to take up bmx once again goodbye, goodbye.